0: Hello, and welcome to Restored, a journey to healing and wholeness. I am your host, Vernita Bove. Life is not always smooth sailing. In fact, the Bible assures us that we will have trials and tribulations, and sometimes healing can be painful. Life crushes you, and the process to a better you can be difficult. I hope that after listening, you will know that you are loved and that you are not alone. So let's get started. This episode begins now. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Restored, a journey to healing and wholeness. My name is Vernita Bo, and I am your host. This show is a show where we tell our journeys, our lifelong journeys of things that we have suffered, things that we have gone through, trauma, rejection, whatever it is. And we share on this show and hopes that it would bring us a little bit more freedom to that space to wholeness. I have had guests on the show who have shared some amazing, amazing stories. So if you have not had a chance to do so, please listen to my episodes. I'm 70 in now, and I would love to have you as a listener on my show. But today... I'm going to continue my COVID chronicles. I have had several guests on my show to talk about their bout with COVID. I've talked about my own bout with COVID. But today I have an expert on the show to talk about the frontline experience with COVID. She's an RN nurse who's on the frontline. And her name is Sitar Tabodi. Dr. Sitar Tabodi is a former ICU nurse of nine years and was now a board certified family nurse practitioner. She's a clinical professor at the University of Nevada and the founder and CEO and natural medicine health consultant at Star Health and Wellness, LLC. When she is not working, she is traveling the world with her wonderful fiance, hiking in the mountains, napping on the beach or feasting on some fresh fruit. Welcome Sitar.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: You are more than welcome. Thank you for joining us today. So Sitar, let's get right into this conversation. What was it like working on the front line?
1: Honestly, um, it was very traumatizing. And you know, as as healthcare workers, we're we're used to working under stressful conditions, right? It's like we signed up for it. You know, we're used to working. You know, with life and death, and you know, especially in the ICU, we deal with death constantly. We deal with tragedy constantly. But unfortunately, you know, in addition to like the difficult nature of the job, you know, you're, you have to be on your toes, you have to be physically capable, mentally capable, you're constantly thinking, constantly multitasking. It's a very difficult job. So I think, you know, unfortunately, we were just so ill prepared for COVID. You know, staffing was already horrible before COVID happened. Do you know what I mean? So it just got incredibly worse. So yeah, I just, um, and there's a lot of unknowns. I don't know if you remember this, but at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, we didn't have testing. We didn't have vaccines. So every day you went to work, you're like, is this shortness of breath patient, someone with a community acquired pneumonia, or is it a COVID patient? And we just didn't know. So as you can imagine, it was very anxiety inducing.
0: I can imagine that because when I was brought to the hospital by ambulance, they just didn't know. I mean, they, you know, knew that I had COVID after they ran a myriad of tests, but they didn't know what else they could do because I got it in July. That was a few months after March. So.
1: Wow. So you were one of the first ones.
0: Right. And so I ended up on a ventilator for 16 days. Oh my God. In the hospital for a month. So really November and December, I'm really just getting back to me of last year. And I can finally go.
1: December of this year?
0: No, no, uh, of last year
1: of 2020 wow so it took you a long yeah
0: because I couldn't I had to get my lungs back right and I had to get you know get be able to walk a few distances you know I just got around to being able to do that probably late November early December and I feel great now I mean I'm ready to go back to work I'm actively looking you know so I feel great now but it took me a year and a half to get to that spot where I could, you know, feel like I'm almost back to myself. The one thing that happened was my vocal cords were damaged mm-hmm. from the tubing. But if it had to be between vocal cords being damaged and me being here, I'll take me being here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, your voice sounds great now. <laughs> yeah.
0: So tell me, how did you feel? What were your emotions like? You
1: know, I, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. You know, there's everything on the news saying. Like, because you're, you first hear it starting in Asia, right? And it's like, it just seems like such a distant thing. Like, oh, that wouldn't happen here. You know what I mean? But then I saw, I would see videos on online of what, what was happening in Italy. And I was seeing like these videos of like these nurses saying like, this is horrible. Like people are dying left and right. And that's whenever it became a lot more real for me. And then it hit in New York City. And this was, it was, it was like kind of, it's just like, that's when it really became real. Like, okay, it's like on our land, it's on our turf, you know what I mean? And I used to live in New York. So I had a lot of friends that are doctors and nurses in New York. So I'm constantly be messaging them because I'm on the West coast. So I feel like it kind of started on the East coast, kind of shifted its way over. And, you know, I'm asking them like, Hey, like what's going on? Like, honestly, it's super bad. Like we, um, like they're like running out of body bags. Like they were putting people in trash bags because they ran out of body bags. Oh my goodness. Like you just like, you know, and like you can't provide dignity to people. Do you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it was like a, like a war zone. They said like, if you survived, you survived. If you didn't, you didn't, you know what I mean? It was like, there was just nothing they could do. And, um, you know, so for healthcare workers, I handle anxiety pretty well. Um, but I just remember like the night before a shift, I would panic. Like I would feel so anxious and, you know, just go to work. You don't know what's going on every day. The rules would change, you know, like, Oh, it's, it's droplet precautions. Oh, it's spread by airborne. We didn't know. We didn't have enough PPE. I wore the same N95 mask for three months.
0: Oh, my goodness. That had to be scary inside itself.
1: Yeah. And I mean, as you can imagine, you're wearing it for 12 hours a day. (laughs) And, you know, you you know, you're getting pressure ulcers in your face from it. You're, you know, you sneeze in your mask and you have to wear that mask all day. You know, it's just like, it was just so anxiety provoking and like you couldn't like I remember like in the break rooms, like, you know, we were like, we have 20, 30 minutes to eat. And it's like, we can't eat next to other people. So we'd have to find other places far away. So we could distance and just shove food on our faces and then go back into work. It was very anxiety provoking. And like, yeah, we didn't have testing. And then the, when the initial testing came out it wasn't very accurate and it would take, you know three days to get the results back. And, you know, we didn't have rooms to isolate patients appropriately like in the ICU that I was working in we had we didn't have doors we had curtains so it's like okay well we can't do this with covid so then we had to get doors and it was just like you know, this whole like we were just so ill equipped for it and at the hospital that I worked at we were so, we did not have enough beds. And we knew that we kind of like predicted the trajectory of like what, how COVID was going to affect our community. And we realized like, wow, we simply do not have enough beds. Like we were at capacity before COVID. So the hospital that I worked at had to transition a floor of the parking garage into a mini COVID hospital. Oh my goodness. Patients in a parking garage and they put floors and, you know, they, you know, kind of built out walls and things like that. But yeah, literally you know the parking spaces with all the lines, we put beds there <laughs> and space them out.
0: Now that's the first time I've heard yeah. a story like that. But I can imagine that though because of the number of cases that they say were going and entering to the hospital by the day, by the by the hour and not hearing it from from somebody who's really been there or who's there. Like you get a mental picture of what you think it might look like, but hearing you talk about this, it's like they were in a garage because they ran out of space in the hospital. Yeah, like this was really bad.
1: And of course, you know, unfortunately, you know, during especially at the beginning of COVID, when we got, really got hit, a lot of hospitals were canceling elective surgeries. So these are surgeries that like wouldn't kill you if you didn't have them. So if like you you've been needing a knee replacement for a few months you know, we would cancel those surgeries because it wouldn't harm you too much. Like you wouldn't die from not getting the knee replacement. So we had to cancel a lot of elective surgeries. And unfortunately, those surgeries make hospitals a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So we stopped doing surgeries for a while to kind of, you know, make room for COVID. And the hospitals ended up losing a lot of money. So because of that, they basically restarted doing all surgeries, so they just said, sorry, like we're losing too much money. We don't care if we don't have enough staff, we just have to restart everything and we're just gonna figure it out. So that was like another complicated thing to deal with too. Cause it's like in Rummer, you have a COVID patient and then you have another patient that had a, rip, um, like a hip replacement. And you're just like, why, like this is not safe. There were so many like nuances and how we handled it in the, the hospital setting. And what it really came down to was like, obviously hospitals want to make money. You know what I mean? And of course that was at the expense of staffing nurses, physicians, respiratory therapists, patients, all, you know, all the staff that work at the hospital. So yeah, it it was kind of hard to watch that happen.
0: And I can imagine too, that you being on the front line, that your family and friends were every day probably on pins and needles for you.
1: I mean, you know, ironically, I was living um, really close, like on the same street as my parents. I didn't see them for like a year. Like they would wave at me from like the driveway, but they weren't allowed in my house. I would refuse to go in their house because like we didn't know how things spread. And it just wasn't worth it. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be responsible for giving my patients COVID, or giving my parents COVID and having them get sick and die or get sick and have a complication. Do you know what I mean?
0: I do. Yeah, yeah. it like
1: affected our social lives so much, right? right. Like we, well, we felt really isolated. Like I miss out on so many you know, social experiences, as most of us did. I feel like healthcare workers did even more because it's like, we're, you know, (laughs) we're around it constantly. So it's like, well, I'm not going to go to that gathering because I know I'm at at risk of spreading it. Do you know what I mean?
0: I do because my sister, we don't know where she got it from, Mm -hmm. but she came home sick with it. And the only place she goes during the week is to work at home because Mm -hmm. she works out of town. So she Mm -hmm. drives out and drives back in. So unless she got it at work, we're not real sure how she got it. But when she got it, because we were all caregivers for my dad, all of us got it. And my dad got it. So I understand what you're saying about spreading it to your parents. You don't want to spread it to your parents because my dad got it and he passed. He didn't make it. We were in the hospital at the same time, he and I, and he passed while I was on the ventilator. I didn't know it. I had no idea. I had talked to him the day before he went into the hospital and told him I would see him later. And I was just so, you know, thinking in the hospital, like I'm going to get out of here, going to be able to spend time with dad. Cause I was a daddy's girl going to be able to spend time with dad. And, you know, we're going to talk about what happened in our experiences. And I learned after I get off the ventilator that he has passed and that they are preparing for his funeral. Rightfully so they had to. And I can't imagine what that was like for him like being in that room by himself with no family when he leaves this world, no one to say goodbye to. And then the trauma that my sisters and I face having to go through that, you know, and getting on the the other side of that. It's really been something, but that's why I say, I I understand when families say this hurts a lot, because I've been where you are, you know, I would never say to a family, it's been a year you need to be over it yeah. because that's not how trauma works.
1: Exactly.
0: And I know that because I've been in it and still coming out of it to some extent. So having said that, how were the patients, how did you find yourself having to comfort the patients, them not being able to see family?
1: It was honestly like horrifying um, because it's like, especially when you know someone's going to pass, you know, before COVID, when we knew someone was going to pass, we would call all the family, like say like, Hey, it's, it's happening. Like, come here, you know what I mean? Figure it out, book your flight, get over here, you know? And it's like, unfortunately with COVID, like we knew that, like, especially early on when, with the more like aggressive variants that like, you know, if you were on a ventilator, you probably weren't going to make it, you know what I mean? And um, obviously that's not the case with you, which I'm so happy, (laughs) but as you, you can imagine, like people with the earlier variants, they didn't do well. Well, they
0: told me that. They told me, they said, unfortunately, we can't can't offer you much hope. We don't know enough about this disease to tell you that you're going to come off of this ventilator. And I didn't really know what they were saying because I was so zoned out. When I tell you my kidneys were shutting down, my lungs were shutting down, my heart was shutting down, I was barely breathing. Like I was out of it. And everything they said, I think I just barely heard it and understood it, but, you know, heard it and understood it. And so I was just thinking, you know, Lord, just let them be able to do whatever they can to keep me here. So I understand what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's obviously like a really difficult position to be in. And, you know, as the nurse, you're at bedside 12 hours a day. You know, you're with your patients constantly. You're in and out of the room constantly. And Especially in the ICUs, you usually have two to three, like very critically ill patients. So you those, you those are your focus, you know. So, you know, unfortunately, we couldn't have families at bedside. Um, we used iPads and we did video calls and like, obviously most of the time the people are zonked out, but it's like, you know, hearing is one of the last senses to go. So we always told people like, Hey, I'm going to put this iPad and you, you know, you're in full gear, you know, you got your mask on, you got your, you know, full gear. So it's like, you can barely hear anything, but you're trying to navigate this iPad and you're putting it right next to their ear and just be like, okay, like this is like hearing is the last sense to go. Please talk to this loved one as though they can hear you, you know what I mean? And we would sit there and hold the iPad for like 10 minutes or so, just so family could, you know, speak to them. You know, sometimes we would have to withdraw support when family wasn't in the room. You know what I mean? And that was really, really hard also.
0: Yeah, I missed that last conversation with my dad because I was so sick Mm -hmm. in the room. I didn't even know my sisters were talking to him. Wow. And on the iPad. And so I just actually just found out that they were when I interviewed them last week for my show
1: hmm. and they
0: told me about that. So I didn't hit. but I do recall um, being able to talk on the iPad to my sisters and to my daughter, my uh, granddaughter, my son. I do recall being able to do that while I was in the ICU. Oh, but that, that was great. That was really, really great. Cause even though they couldn't be there, you still had some type of connection.
1: Yeah, especially something familiar, because I think, you know, especially the ICU, it's very disorienting, like you're attached to all these monitors and cables, there's alarms going off, there's weird lighting, there's people coming in and out of your room, and people develop what we call ICU delirium, because of it, it's very disorienting, so I think it's so important whenever to hear a familiar voice, it's so reassuring, and I think that was probably one of the hardest things, because, you know, I mean, being around people that love you or hearing their voices, it's just, it's so healing. You know, and with COVID, especially when someone's fighting for their life, to not have some that some of that support, you know, is very difficult.
0: Yeah. Did you have to do anything to, like, for your mental stability? What kind of breaks or what kind of things did you do so that you can maintain some type of mental stableness during this time? Um,
1: so I, it was kind of a journey for me. Um, so I think the biggest thing was initially with the pandemic, first started kind of similar to what everyone else was doing. I was on my phone a lot. Constantly looking at the news, reading the articles, New York Times, constantly, 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 and one of the best things I did was to not watch the news, not read the articles, stay off my phone. Because what would happen is I'd wake up on my day off, I would you know pick up my phone at eight in the morning and I'd scroll, scroll, scroll until one because it'd make me depressed and I couldn't get out of bed. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So I stopped looking at the news, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I like, I live and breathe COVID. Like I don't need to keep talking about it and hearing about it. You know, on all my days off. Um, You know, unfortunately, like, you know, being social was kind of like, we couldn't all do that, right? So that was kind of something we couldn't do. But, you know, my friendships with my colleagues was life-changing. It was life-saving. Do you know what I mean? Like, we could vent to each other, we could cry to each other. Um, I'm a big fan of crying. I like to cry. I usually feel better afterwards. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, on my days off, I'd rest a lot. I'd eat really healthy. You know, I'd I'd try and exercise in the home, things like that. So lots of self-care.
0: Self-care is very important. And it's really, really important, especially for those who've gone through COVID, that they get back to that place where they're taking care of themselves.
1: Right. Um, Yeah. Because remember you mentioned like your body went through significant trauma, like this virus tried to kill you, you know? So it's like, you need to treat your body like a child, like you would a child. You need to nurture, you need to love it, you need to allow it to rest, you need to nourish it with good food. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was just so much. I mean, my hair even came out like I had to start going to a beautician. Um, First, it was every week and then every two weeks because just combing my hair would come out in bunches,
1: Mm. just
0: just fall out. And she treated it back to health. You know, that was one of the things that I had to do. But just learning to take care of myself, because I was that person. I took care of everybody else. Mm. Everybody else was more important, you know, everybody. And I never really spent a whole lot of time on me. Or for me. Mm -hmm. So COVID, that's one of the things COVID has changed for me. My message next week is going to be the seven things I learned from COVID. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that COVID has changed for me is that I am important. I need to take care of myself and it's okay for me to do things for me.
1: Yes. Because I lost myself
0: in everybody else. My mom, my dad, my sisters, my children, everybody I was taking care of. Good friends or whatever. And I lost myself in that. And I had to find myself again. So, one thing COVID did for me was that, was to help me find myself.
1: Oh, I'm so happy. A little blessing in disguise.
0: A little yeah. blessing in disguise. <laughs> I love it. Is there one simply amazing story that you can remember?
1: It's really hard because, like, you know, I felt like outcomes were so poor. Like, there were, you know, like lots of young people. And, and you know, so that was obviously very, very traumatizing and very sad but you know there were some people who especially I mean young people did very well um there were some people who would come in you know from like having a motorcycle accident who would also have COVID and it was like you know some like 19 year old guy you know who broke every bone in his body traumatic brain injury in and out of surgery and, uh, you know, he's on the ventilator for weeks. And, you know, he, like after a month, he recovered, you know. So, yeah, we did have stories like that that were. But it's like, yeah, unfortunately, you know, when I was what I saw was not very good outcomes.
0: That's an amazing story because he was against all odds. I mean, he was like broke up.
1: Yeah. Like- <laughs> and had COVID.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and had COVID and he <laughs> survived it all and recovered. Yeah, that's an amazing story. Do you have any uh, encouraging words, anything you would like to say to our listening audience, any smart advice around COVID?
1: Yeah, you know, and I think, you know, unfortunately there's there's so much different information out there. Some people say, don't get the vaccine, get the vaccine. Or some people say like masks don't work or some people say that they do work. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, not to get political or anything like that, is you at the end of the day you have to take care of yourself and i wish that instead of pushing all these you know different things i wish that we focused on prevention and supporting our immune systems because you know unfortunately with the way things are going people are traveling more you know people are you know not wearing masks as often and things like that and there's a likelihood that you can be exposed right and that you will get sick so I really wish that we focused on vitamins. I really think it's super important for people to take, you know, vitamin C, zinc, just daily supporting vitamins. I think it's really important to prioritize sleep. It's free and it's good for your immune system. Like get at least eight hours a day. And if you need more, give it to yourself, your body, like you need to listen to your body. I wish that we were telling people to eat more fruits and vegetables and avoid processed foods. Right. Because it's like you know, there's so many things you you don't have control over, but you do have control of what you put into your body. Right. And every time you look at a piece of food, like whether it's a fruit or a vegetable, think of it as medicine and that's supporting your immune system that's preventing disease. And I wish that we did that instead of like, you know, pushing everything else, making it political and things like that.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sick of the politicizing of it, too. That, that really gets to me. And one of the things that the, the doctor told me, he said, my physical therapist at the doctor before I left told me, she said, you need to eat more fruits and vegetables. You need to exercise when you can. You mm-hmm. need to get lots of rest. And you need to drink lots of water. She mm-hmm. said, not just because you've had COVID, but this is what you need to do in life.
1: Yes, so I agree
0: does. with what you said. Oh, and she said, make sure you take your multivitamin daily. Mm-hmm. Do not go without taking your vitamin. And I have done that ever since I have left the hospital. Yes. I have walked. I have lifted some weights inside the house. I have been drinking water every day. Mm-hmm. I am taking a vitamin every day. And I'm going to bed at night. I'm sleeping. Very good. And it's, <laughs> you know, it has, I mean, I feel... So good right now. Like, I feel better now than I felt before I got COVID.
1: Oh, my goodness. That's wonderful. Just
0: by changing my lifestyle, I feel much better. So I can appreciate what you're saying to our listening audience. And audience, I hope that you heard her. Yes, you may want to wear your mask. Yes, it's probably a good idea. Yes, you probably should get the shot. But if you don't, Mm -hmm. at least take care of yourself. At least take care of yourself. Yeah. Those things that are necessary so that you can be in a healthy state. And I think that's one of the things that I didn't have any underlying conditions. And they told me that that may be good and it may be one of the constants that helped save my life.
1: Right.
0: But I have known people who have had asthma and things like that and have come through COVID, and have now changed their lifestyle, and are doing those things that I just mentioned, and they feel much better, even with their diseases, they feel much better.
1: That's so good. Yeah, you only get one body, so it's so, so important to protect it, and yeah, it's like and like, yeah, if you are one of those people who are higher risk, like obviously social distancing works, like you're not going to get the virus, you know, from other people if you're, you're avoiding other people, then, you know, there's like, you know, so much mixed evidence saying like, oh, that can be very isolating and depressing, but you, you can be social and wear masks. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of gray area. Um, so yeah, I think the biggest takeaway is like, just protect yourself, you know, distance as much as possible, wear your masks and support your immune system. Like you have to support your immune system because- you know, the second this virus comes in, like it's gonna weak, it's gonna gonna break you down. So you have to work really, really hard. And if you can just pick two or three things to do every day for your immune system, like, you know, drinking more water, getting enough rest, taking more vitamins, eating fruit, you know, things like that, then that, and if you do that consistently, you know, you you will build up your immune system. And if you will, if you are to get sick at some point, you know, God forbid, at least you won't end up in the hospital. You know, you can recover more quickly.
0: I think that's great advice. And I I I um uh, I live by that now. That's advice to live by. And I yeah. do live by it now. Good. So, Sitar, thank you so much for being on the show. But before we go, is there anything you want to share with our listening audience? If they want to talk to you again, how can they find you?
1: Um, so I can provide a website. Um, it's www.healwithsitar.com. Um, I do natural wellness consulting now um so i help people heal from chronic illness so that's kind of the the path that i took i'm a nurse practitioner now um but i've had nine years of um icu experience beforehand but yeah if you have any questions you can just reach out and send me a message Um, i'm also on social media i'm at um, instagram dr sitar np um, and you can just message me with any questions
0: and can you spell your first name for the audience
1: yeah, um S-E-T-S and Tom A-R-E.
0: Thank you so much, Sitar. It has been a pleasure having you on the show.
1: Well, oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure for me also.
0: I am delighted that you have tuned in to this episode of Restored, A Journey to Healing and Wholeness. It has been a pleasure to share with you today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. I would also appreciate if you would like, share, follow, and subscribe so that you can stay abreast of all things restored. Until next time, blessings as you continue your journey to healing and wholeness.